Good morning. Welcome to Central Baptist Church this morning. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship on this beautiful day. Uh, you will find in the pews uh, friendship pads. We'd invite you to take those and to fill those out with any information that you'd like to provide. Put down your name, and uh, that's a chance for us to get to know each other a little better this morning. Maybe greet one another by name later during the passing of the peace. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about Central, if you're visiting with us, we want you to know that you're especially welcome here and you'll find uh, some visitors information cards in the pews too. You can fill those out and put those in the offering plate as it goes by. But whether this is your first time with us or whether you've been here for decades, your presence is truly a blessing to us and we are so glad that you are here this morning. Uh, this past week, um, we, uh, my family and I ended up uh, camping uh, it was a little hot. It was actually extraordinarily hot. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm not the outdoorsiest person. I thought I was more outdoorsy than I found out this week. Um, we, uh, we had a great time. Uh, it was extraordinarily hot, though. Uh, we did find uh, that we weren't necessarily the only, the only folks there. We also had an encounter with some raccoons who managed to take our food, uh, our trash, off of the trash pole that's about six feet up and take it away to who knows where. And so the next night I decided I was going to get that out of there early, so I took it down to the dumpster, and then I found the rest of the raccoons all waiting for me. Uh, and so I put my trash in and I backed away slowly. Uh, but it was good to know that, uh, that even though Kentucky State Parks may have allowed us to be there, uh, the wildlife may have had another idea. They were kind, though, and welcomed us uh, as best they could. We came back a little bit early because of the heat, and yesterday we were sitting in the house, and we were kind of in our own spaces relaxing. And I thought, what was different about camping? What made that experience so different than it is being at home uh, in the comforts of air conditioning. When camping, we kind of realized more so how much we needed one another. Couldn't pack up the tent by, by myself, couldn't pack up the tarp, couldn't get the fire made and get the food out and do everything that we needed to do on our own, but instead it took a lot of hands helping to make these things happen to take care of ourselves, and it was a beautiful thing. Uh, even in the heat, even in being uncomfortable, it was beautiful to see how we could all work together to get this done and how we could join together in love. So this morning, we're reminded that this table is not about any one of us, but we are all welcomed here by the love and grace of God who invites us all, no matter who we are, freely to come and to be a part of this kinship where we realize that it takes more than just us, but it takes all of us. And as we look across this table, we will see different faces all welcome here, just as we are by the grace of God. And we'll remember, too, that far beyond these walls are others who are also welcomed to this table, to this place, uh, to be a part of this gracious and loving communion. So let's worship together this morning. <laughs>
please stand as you are able and join me in the call to worship. God of the past who walked with the exiled and put words of freedom in unlikely mouths, we hear your call and speak your words. God of the future who will create a new kingdom, that day for change is coming and justice is near. God who gave us this day and this bread we share, this bread into your world. God who creates, redeems, and sustains. God is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. And now let us sing together hymn number two. Join me in prayer. Lord, let this place be a comforting haven for all who enter. May it be a place where they can momentarily escape the pressures of this world. Help us to do our best to make it a place where people will know they are loved, most importantly by you, but let us also express that love to one another by sharing bread, walking with one another, and speaking freedom and justice, especially for those with no voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let us pass the peace of Christ to one another.
Thank you, Gina and Kara. I now invite us as a family of faith to join into the dedication of Edith Stokes Calkin. I ask that the Stokes Calkin family will come, stand here in front of us. As you now turn in your bulletin for our congregational charge, let us pray. Mighty God, by your love, we are given children through the miracle of birth. We give you thanks. May we greet each new son and daughter with joy and surround them all with faith so that they may know who you are and want to be your disciples. Never let us neglect children, but help us to delight in them, showing them the welcome you have shown us all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Michelle and Charles, in presenting Edith to the Lord, do you promise a dependence upon God's grace? And with the help of the church to teach her the gifts and claims of the Christian faith. And by prayer, word, and example, to bring her up in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of the Lord. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters of the household of faith, I commend to you this family. Your love and care and example are as necessary to this covenant as their faithfulness in keeping their promise. Will you do all in your power to make this church a true spiritual home for them 
lending them the support of your prayers and your example. Charles and Michelle, this is a beautiful and wonderful day for us, and I'm going to take Edith from you in just a moment, but before I do, we have a children's Bible to present to her, and Evelyn, if you remember, you held Jonas's Bible when he was dedicated here, and this time, Jonas, I'm going to ask that you will hold your little sister Edith's Bible, is that okay? And take care of that for her, and then as she gets older, and as you are learning to read, and you can together, you, you may start reading it now if you like. <laughs> But Edith, wow, how beautiful. Did you see this wonderful dress? I went up to Edith this morning. I said, are you ready? And she smiled and shook her head, yes. <laughs> and Edith, that says to me in part that you're from a family that loves the church and wants to serve the church and knows so many good things about the church. But there's more than just your own family that I want to introduce to you, and that's all these wonderful faces that you see out here this morning the family of God. In fact, you'll notice that some of these bigger kids that are here in the pews are getting ready for school. And school is happening in just a few days. Some of the other bigger kids are getting ready for college. And they're getting ready to go away, some for the very first time, as they begin a whole new part of their life. Some of these bigger, bigger kids are still learning. And they're still trying to figure it out season by season. And that's what we are as a family, a group of people learning together in the love of God. And it's a part of our blessing and joy that you may grow up here, that you may be exactly how God has loved you and created you, and you also may be encouraged, that you may be loved and accepted, that you may know the joy of just being a wonderful part of a loving family. But more so, it is our hope, as we seek to model the Jesus who has saved us, that you will also come to know him as you grow up, that you will come to see in his light of love, a light of love for yourself, that you will take on his promises of life, and that you will seek to follow him as a disciple. That is our pledge to you, as your family of faith, it is the pledge that your own personal family has made this day. And we claim this wonderful August day. That means wrap it up. <laughs> I know baby. If any of you start doing that, I, I know what's going on. Wrap it up. It is our prayer that as you grow up before us, we may see the light of Christ in you and you may share the light of Christ with us. So blessings on you, Edith, this wonderful day, and blessings on you, the Stokes Conkin family. Blessings. You did great.
Let's pray again, please. Dear God, I'm not sure what it is that we seek, but sometimes it's not your kingdom. It seems that we seek things to argue about, things to hate, things to hurt, things to feel bad about, things to not love, all of which are not a part of your kingdom. Forgive us, God, for seeking not you, but some sort of satisfaction that somehow makes us feel better in the moment, but which ultimately breaks down and harms your kingdom. Forgive us, God, for harming your kingdom and empower and encourage us to give what we need to give and to seek what we need to seek to build one another up. And by thus doing, we're building up the kingdom of God. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Here now our Christian witness, found in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Past believers, jumping to verse 13, confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, God has prepared a city for them. Now, as Baptists, we participate around once a month on this thing we call communion or the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And while we don't take the Eucharist, as it said in higher liturgies, every Sunday, like perhaps Catholics or Presbyterians or the disciples of Christ, we still, on a regular basis, make ourselves available to this table. And just like with anything that we do on a regular basis, it's easy for us to simply go through the motions. Just, it's time now to come forward, take the bread, take the cup. What we do about once a month as a Baptist. But is there something more significant going on? Absolutely. And so I will use this time as we prepare for this table to think deeply together about this wonderful celebration of Christ's invitation. An invitation that's not my invitation or this church's invitation, but an invitation from Christ for all people to join in and to be a part of. A place where heaven and earth kiss. Where God's mercy meets human failure and frailty. Where we bring ourselves completely as we are. Allowing God's saving story in Christ to touch us again. And to form us again. And to make us new. Now we recognize that this activity, first as all things, begins with God. In what is called in Latin, the opus Dei. The work of God. That God is at work in the world and we are participating in that work. We confess what God has done for us is something we cannot do for ourselves. Us, all of humanity, every person that has lived or will ever live or is now living, and each of us individually, as Jesus taught, the God who created you knows the number of hairs on your head. 
For some, that's a higher count than others. But not only the numbers of head on your head, but the number of concerns in your heart. That every part of you is known by the God who has made you and is loved by that very God. And God is at work seeking to share that incredible love story. We in the church understand that there are three ways in which God has revealed God's self to us in this work that God is about and God is doing. First, as taught in Hebrews and through the Hebrew scriptures, God has revealed God's self in the word. That God seeks to be intelligible. That God has endowed us with the gift of language, the ability to reason, to discuss, to dialogue, and that God has brought us into a world where we might be able to specify the abstract things of love and religion into something concrete, something intelligible, something that can be discussed and, yes, argued over. That the gift of the word is the gift of each other as we hear the word and interpret it for one another. But secondly, because we are frail, and even with a codice of information in front of us, can go off in our own directions, we are given a second work of God in the world, crystallized in a single human life. A living example for all humans on how we too might be best as humans in the world. This one we confess and know is Jesus, the one we claim as Lord and Savior, the one who spent his entire life infused with sharing God's incredible love. God's welcome for all, God's inclusion beyond conventionality, God's ability in Christ to say to all, you are my beloved children. Even if that message was scandalous, even if it colored outside the lines, even if it suggested that the bounds of the culture would not be completely obeyed, Jesus was about that love, that work of God in the world, culminating in a death of sacrifice and love and ending in ultimate victory over sin and death. God has been at work through the word and through the living example of Jesus and also through the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit comes to bind us together, to speak to our spirit, to call from us this faith in which we might know what God has done. It's important to build this foundation of the spirit preceded by the word and the living example of Jesus. Because have you ever had someone say this? Well, God told me. Maybe you've heard someone on television tell you what God has said. Maybe someone has stood up in Sunday school or at a religious meeting to say, well, I have heard from the Lord. Here's what I seek always to do when hearing whatever perspective that is. Can I envision that message coming out of the person of Jesus? 
Does that sound like something Jesus might say? Does the Spirit draw me to the revelation of Christ and the words that are being delivered by the person who says, I'm hearing from God's Spirit? If so, it has more credence for me. But the Spirit is this abstract sense of God's love that is still with us, interpreted through our communal life together, living through the table, through the Word, the living example. So what's our response? If God has done all this for us, then what's left for us to do? Well, now to the Greek word, leitorgia, meaning two words, laos, people, and ergos, work. And it's become in vogue, in part, to call worship the work of the people. But the purist suggests that really that word, Leitorgia should be translated not work of the people, but work for the people. Often translated in the Bible as service. That this work that we are about is a work that we do for others. So what is worship? What is coming to the table? What is our response to the God for whom Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What are you to do? What should you do? How can you respond? Well, the work of the people is simply to allow the work of God to work in you. It's that simple. To allow God's work to work in you. To know that God cares and loves this world and that we, on the place of faithful journeying, lock arms in arms, hands in hands, hearts in hearts, and we allow God to work in us. Allow the Spirit to move us. Informed, enlightened by Scripture, led by the example of Christ, we are the people of God. A work that God is still doing in the world. Beloved children who have a message that has been God's message from the very start. You're not strangers. You belong to a heavenly city. One that we pray comes and visits us here on earth. So once we think about the, the vertical part of this relationship between us and God, I find it sometimes helpful coming to the table to also consider the horizontal dimensions. Mostly those dimensions that are in my own self that oftentimes are like a seesaw teetering. Imagine, if you will, for an example, that way over here, somewhere around Fayette Mall, we might say there is an overcommitment and engagement of caring too much. Worried about everything, always trying to fix everything, always trying to put yourself in that place of, of God's. That if something's going to be successful, it's going to require you to do it. And you participate in what might be called, from the psychologist, over-functioning. Doing a little too much in your family or in your community or even in your calling for the world. We just got to get this right. And then somewhere over here, 
past the choir and maybe, oh, what's over there? Central Bank on Reynolds Road. We might call that emotionalist detachment. That has nothing to do with me, this call of God. I really don't care. My little part isn't going to make a difference. There's no point in trying. Everything's already kind of shot to death. It's not, it's not going to be effective. I just don't care. And somewhere between not caring and caring too much, we meet here in the center of the table. We meet in a place where God calls us to do that which perhaps we distinctively and alone can do, but to let go. To let go and let God do the greater work that is needed in the world, that we are not the divine, but we are servants of the love of God. And we do what we can while we can, and we let the rest of it go, because the more we try to care too much to the point of worry and anxiety, we somehow lose the love that is possible in holding the reins a little more loosely. And certainly, if we've already given up, if we already said it doesn't matter, if we've already not met any kind of calling toward responsibility, then really what good is our life? So Jesus says this, that we will hear about in the gospel invitation. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Let go of your attachment to all the things that are weighing you down. Live in this liberality of love and freely do what you can without trying to do more than you should and certainly not less than what you are capable. Allow the table to teach you love and forgiveness and sacrifice and mercy and service, knowing that God is at work and God is using you for that great work. Here's the amazing thing about love. Truly amazing that to extend love, to offer love, you don't need to spend anything. You don't need any money to spend it. And yet, you'll find that it costs you everything and that it's worth every penny. This calling to love, as we said last week, is never easy, but it is incredibly liberating. To simply love as God loves the world, as Christ has loved and forgiven us, as we seek to do what we can, as we seek to have our part to play, as we meet the Christ here who calls us and that the one that we seek to serve. So three parts of this communion reflection for me this morning. First, there is the welcome of God. A welcome of God that I have found in the person of Jesus Christ with arms outstretched. A God who welcomes us all. And perhaps as a discipline of respecting our personal space. Invites us to come toward him. Without him pushing himself upon us. A Christ who has his arms ready to welcome, to embrace, to empower those who come forward.
And then there's this work of the church. This work of God that we find communally. This ability through our confession, our baptism, our celebration of communion to realign ourselves with what God chooses for us. The picture that you have on the front of your bulletin was a picture I took this summer while in Ireland. It was near the Ring of Kerry. And though we didn't spend a lot of time with tour buses, this day we did because of just the popularity of that area and just how jammed in it can be. And so we were on a tour bus and on the way, the person that was leading our group said, you really need to see this guy lead sheep. And he took us to a spot and it was only eight euro a piece for 200 of us. I mean, you know, no one's making money here, right? But what you don't see in this picture, because I cropped it out, is Mike. Mike's the collie dog that's off to the side here. Mike is the one who's leading the sheep down the hill, helping them find their way. We need, you know, sheep don't always run in a straight line like that, by the way. We all need a little bit of guidance along the way. And that's what we do here in confession, baptism, communion. We're getting guided, steered back into the right path because, everyone in church can help repeat this, because we all, like sheep, have... Amen on that one. We need someone to guide us back to the path of love, to be restored, to not live in shame, to be forgiven of the wrong that we've done, to recognize that there's still good that can be done and that God is still at work in us even when we don't see any demonstration of that work as immediately as we need it for our own ego. That God is calling us to the table in Christ to be blessed, to be renewed. Because finally, after the welcome of God and the work of God, there is the wonder of God. This is all a mystery. It's not something that can always be tied down to a doctrine or a statement or a sermon. It's like a great work of art or a beautiful piece of music. You can cut it apart and you can analyze it and you can talk about the different aspects of it. But truly, the experience is far greater than the individual parts of it. It's simply living into it. It's encountering it. It's recognizing that, oh, I didn't notice that before. And now I notice it afresh because I'm giving myself over to the wonder of the beauty that is here. And if that wonder and beauty can be found in art or found in music, it is certainly found in the sacrament that we call the sacrament of confession. Bringing our hearts to Christ and in the mystery of God, allowing God to touch us and to change us. We come to the table. It is Christ's table. It is the work of God. It is the hope of the world.
In a few moments, you will be invited down the center aisle to come to the Lord's table. But as you do, we have asked over the course of the summer to ask for your participation on where the Spirit is moving on post-it notes. And on the screens behind me, you will see those responses that are on the board. You can look at the board or you can read them behind up high. The Spirit is moving. And the Spirit will be moving here in this celebration of God's communion. So first hear the gospel call, words of our Lord, found in Luke 12. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Let us pray together. Eternal God, you made us in your image, which is love. Our very nature, like yours, is love. Yet too often we turn away from what you created us to be. We focus our treasure on selfish and temporal goals, cutting ourselves off from you and our neighbors. We give in to our fears and favor competition over cooperation, desperately in search of a sense of security that ultimately proves inferior and false. As you call us to live in hope, we find how despair has taken the upper hand you call us to trust in you, but we prefer to trust in ourselves, our earthly treasures, and worldly power. You call us to serve the least of these, but we cling to what we have, fearful that it won't be enough. Dear God of boundless mercy, forgive us, transform us with your grace, that we may live in love, trust in your care, and abound in hope in Christ we pray and are forgiven. Amen. Now we prepare to come to the table, a table of welcome, a table of inclusion, a table of service, a table where we will meet and remember our Lord Jesus Christ. All who love him and wish to follow him are welcome to this table. We give thanks to the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed and arrested, he took the bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and he poured it and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever we drink of this cup and we eat of this bread, we remember his death, we proclaim his resurrection and we await his coming glory. Let us pray. Gracious God, 
Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts, that the bread and the cup may be the communion of your church, one with the body of Christ, seeking to live as the body of Christ into the world. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, and in the power of Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. The table has been set and is ready. Come and be filled.
empowered now as God's people, we sing a hymn in order to re-enter the world. Filled with God's forgiveness and love, may we be beacon, beacons and agents of the grace that you have found today. I invite you to respond as you stand and sing. Rise, O, Christ, o church, like Christ arisen. Hymn 536, let us stand.
I've been greatly uplifted in spirit by your presence, by your faces, by our worship, and by our God. I am grateful to the depths of my being for you and for this church and for this calling that now we depart in in peace. So may you now hear the benediction as we prepare to leave this sanctuary. Beloved children of God, don't sell yourself short. Don't buy into the world's definitions of your worth or your significance. Don't listen to the voices of hate, division, and destruction. Beloved children of God, you belong to God in order to do good, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. Beloved children of God, leave this place certain of God's love for you and encouraged by your proper love of self and the necessary love of your neighbor. For God has made you, God has redeemed you, and God will sustain you each day until the last and into all eternity. Amen. Thank you.